Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, today I want to talk about applying the trainings. Applying the trainings. You see, we are learning all about uh, mindfulness and awareness and awakening and compassion and all these wisdom and all these great things. And what I want to talk about now is how we are how we are manifesting these things in our lives because, you know, it's great to learn about these things and to think about them and to talk about them, but, but we need to learn how to also bring them into our lives. So I'm going to talk about bodhicitta, which is that, that mind of awakening, the, uh, yeah, the awakened heart. And this is where, we're coming from when we're coming from the right place. This is where we're coming from when our hearts are open and our thoughts are clear. And that bodhicitta, that feeling is easily lost when disturbing emotions arise because we aren't used to it. And when we're aware of that, we can be reminded of just how important our our spiritual cultivation is. It's really important. We need to carefully watch our minds in order to stop disturbing emotions from carrying us away because that's what they do, you know. You you start to have a s- disturbing emotion, whether that's greed or anger or f- unreasonable fear or whatever, and it just carries you away. It just takes you to another place, and then you're you're not making good decisions anymore because you're being carried away by that. You're being disturbed by a disturbing emotion. That's why they're called disturbing emotions because they they get in our way, okay? So... We have to learn, we have to learn to pay attention to what we're doing and what our minds are doing, both in and out of our meditation practice. That's what it's about. We have to learn to pay attention both in and out of our meditation practice. You know, it can be, we can come to a point where it's very, I don't want to say easy, but where we don't struggle so much to be mindful when we're sitting in the meditation hall or in the meditation spot of our house or whatever and we're doing a good job being really mindful in that context but then when we leave that context we're not anymore that can easily happen and it happens to a lot of people uh by the way i'll take an aside for a moment to just say i do encourage you to meditate at home and to have a dedicated spot where you meditate at home i do encourage you to do that it sort of uh, greases the wheels a little bit it'll help you as far as um being motivated, being inspired to meditate and also sort of uh, setting up that routine and being this is the place where I meditate. That's going to work on your mind. That's going to help your mind. So in his book, The Power of Mind, Kentro Lodrote says, and I quote, practicing mindfulness is actually subsequent to vigilant guard, which is the awareness of the present moment. Mindfulness is when you remember the teaching and how to teachings and how to apply them at that moment. To gain skill at this, it's important to study the teachings again and again. 
to pour over them until they are committed to memory. Only then can we remember them when we need them. And so that, when we talk about the mind training teachings, we're talking about little, um, and we're going to go over some of the mind training Lojong slogans today. But what we're talking about is little bite size, little almost sort of, I think of them as spiritual bumper stickers almost, but it's little aphorisms and proverbs that the intention is that they're easy to remember and they stick in our minds when we need them. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to go over a few of those today so that you know what I mean. And these ones, though, the ones we're going to go over today are about, though, bringing our bringing our spirituality, bringing the teachings, bringing bodhicitta into our day-to-day life because that that is where people get mixed up sometimes. They don't – they have a really – really easy time, you know, going on a retreat and uh, feeling like the retreat is really taking them somewhere spiritually and mentally. And that is, that is all great, but we want to be sure that those lessons are going with us when we leave the retreat, because, you know, like all this work we're doing is obviously going to mean more if we are able to see improvement in our lives, obviously, right? And we're not meditating to be good meditators and we're not cultivating wisdom just to be wise, but rather we want to learn how to make better decisions in our lives and to make the world a better place and be in harmony with the people around us, right? So so I'm going to talk about one of the Lojong slogans now and you can sort of see what I mean about those. Um, and this one is just... Uh, there's not even any verbs in it. It's not even a sentence. It's just three objects, three poisons, three roots of virtue. Three objects, three poisons, three word, uh, roots of virtue. Now, object, um, this could have been called three nouns. Object uh, refers to the way that we put the things we perceive the objects of our perception into categories. We try to put things into neat little boxes and the things we're talking about is not only, the objects rather, are not only things, but it's person, place, thing, or situation. Any Anything. Anything in this context is considered an object, okay? So, and that, when I first read that, I was like, well, People aren't objects, but in this sense, um, you know, the word objectify, we're sort of objectifying people when we put labels like this on them. So I actually do really like that language, although at first I had some questions about it, but we are, we are objectifying a person when we put them in a category. We are, and we know what objectification is and we know it's not good. And we don't think of this as objective. We don't think of judging people as objectifying them, but what if it is right? So Anyway, we take these objects, which again includes people, places, things, and even situations, and we put them in little categories of either good, bad, or neutral, right? Good, bad, or neutral. And those are, those are what we're referring to with the three, three objects. We're referring to the three categories we put objects in, good, bad, or neutral. So 
that's pretty uh, self-explanatory, I think, but good is going to be the things I like that I want to have around, right? And there could be, of course, sub-levels within that. There's going to be really good and a little bit good, of course. And bad, of course, we know what that is. And again, there can be sub-levels of that. There's going to be just really, really horrifying, really bad. And then there's going to be like, that's a little bit annoying, right? And then neutral, neutral is often uh, those things where we don't care enough to have an opinion. We don't care enough to label it. Sometimes it'll be a thing where like you ask yourself, was this good or bad? I don't know. And you put it in the neutral category. But more often, it's just the things that you never, you never care enough to assign a value. You never care enough. So I have neutral feelings toward my mailman because I've never interacted with my mailman, right? That's a neutral object. And we may have a lot more neutral objects than positive and negative. I don't know. But the point is, those are the three categories. So what are poisons and what are roots of virtue? Let's talk about that. So poisons. I'm going to read to you. Kentrell Lodrote defines poisons as the three poisons as our negative emotions, which can be summed up as attachment, aversion, and ignorance. Attachment, aversion, and ignorance. These are considered in our in our tradition, they're considered the root poisons of the mind. So according to this, um, essentially, everything that can disturb your well-being falls into one of those categories. Attachment, aversion, and ignorance. And they get in our way because, of course, we're too – we get obsessed with our attachments and aversions – and ignorance is sometimes when we don't know the difference. We don't know if we like something or not. That's That can be ignorance. And these root poisons of our mind, they, they afflict us with negative emotions, disturbing emotions. And we then take those and we get all affected by them and we get all in, up in our feelings. And then we spill those out onto other people. And that's how we hurt others. We hurt others because... We are dwelling in one of these poisons or sometimes all three, okay? And I think if you look back on your life and you think about where you've made bad choices maybe, you can probably think about how it fits into one or two or all three of these root poisons because that's – I think this is a really um, a really wise way to look at things. And I know when I look back on my past, I can see – um, attachment has been a big poison for me, attachment. And you may struggle more with attachment, more with aversion or just ignorance. You don't even know what you're struggling with, but we all, we all dwell in these sometimes and we're trying to get around them. So how do we get around them? I'm glad you asked the root three roots of virtue. And that refers to, um, in the book, Kendra Lodrote says, he defines the roots of virtue as the alchemy of transforming poisons into virtuous mental states and positive actions. The alchemy of transforming virtuous mental poisons into virtuous mental states and positive actions. And he goes on to say, by practicing these 
Lojong trainings, we apply new way of thinking that causes our perceptions to change, allowing us to drop our afflictive mental states and adopt a positive frame of mind. So the three roots of virtue are just overcoming those three poisons. That's really what, what we're saying here by learning how to turn our bad feelings into good feelings. Learning how to turn our bad feelings into good feelings. And I have uh, one more thing to say about uh, disturbing emotions. And that is a lot of the time when, when we have disturbing emotions, when we have a feeling that's coming from one of these root poisons, we, we allow ourselves to be carried away. We sort of, we convince ourselves that our anger is righteous or whatever, that we have a good reason to be upset. And because I have a good reason to be upset, therefore I should not resist that. Rather, I should let that carry me away because, because F you, you know, because what's happening is awful. And I think that's uh, what I want to advocate for is learning how to think about this in another way because, because it doesn't serve us to get carried away by our emotions. It's not about that other person. It's about you. Does it serve you? Does it help you to get carried away by your emotions? I know in, in my experience, uh, getting carried away by disturbing emotions has never had a good outcome for me. And your experience may be different, and I acknowledge that, but that's been my my experience. My experience is these these disturbing emotions, they only hurt me. They only hurt me. Okay, I am going to just read to you a passage about putting this practice into action from uh, the power of... Mind by Kendra Lodrote. And I'm just going to read to you this passage because I think it's really, it's really instructive. It's a little bit of guidance. This is called This Practice in Action. And I quote, <clears throat> We rely on disturbing emotions to cultivate our positive potential. To do this, we need to recognize the affliction. When you encounter something or someone that you want, identify the desire with a thought such as this is desire or this is attachment. Second, think about the negative effects of desire. Consider how getting what you want doesn't necessarily bring you happiness and how the more you succeed at getting what you want, the more your desire grows. Our desires are endless and pursuing them is ultimately unfulfilling and leads to dissatisfaction or worse. The pursuit of our desires can lead us to great harm. Bring all this to mind. It isn't necessary to go through a laborious analysis every time a disturbing emotion arises, but we should spend at least a few moments reflecting on the harmfulness of the affliction. This will motivate us to practice. Because we know the deleterious effects of desire, we want to be free from it. Now, the final step is to do Tonglen by recollecting how all beings suffer from desire and generate the compassion that wants them to be free of desire with the thought, may the desire of all beings be gathered here within my experience of desire. By taking it on, may all beings be completely freed from desire and its results. May they never again be afflicted by desire and may they reach ultimate happiness that is free from suffering. 
If we do this, then in that moment of desire, we gave rise to loving loving kindness and compassion for all beings. Instead of focusing on ourselves and what we want, our mind turns toward the welfare of others. So that's just a reflection we can have. And he, he used desire as the example, but any, any emotion that, that has the potential to carry us away can be the emotion we focus on. So I don't want you to get hung up on that. But we can reflect. When we have these kinds of big feelings, we can reflect. And we can just mentally say, is this serving me? Is this, is this going to harm myself or others? We don't usually ref- reflect in that way, but we could. So uh, when we get a negative or an afflictive emotion, an emotion that's really hurting us, there we have what are said to be three opportunities for practice. And these are, um, sometimes these are called windows for transformation. And these opportunities are um, the times when we can, we can practice, the times when we can deal with this disturbing emotion, okay? Number one is the moment it surfaces, Number two is while it is full-blown, while we're being carried away by the emotion. And number three is after it has subsided. Well, when it surfaces, when it we're getting carried away by it, and then after it's over. And we're trying to get better and better at this. So what we're learning to do is take advantage of whichever window we can, whichever window for transformation we can, as soon as we remember to practice. So at first... We're not going to remember to practice as soon as anger appears in our heart. We're not going to remember to practice right away sometimes. But maybe when we're super upset, then we'll remember. And we may. And in fact, it may feel like a failure um, to remember to transform our negative feelings after they've gone away. But that's that's not a failure because we're still doing the practice. If we're still doing I want to advocate practicing Tonglen for this. And if we're practicing Tonglen where we visualize ourselves breathing in the suffering of others and breathing out clarity and wisdom, then that sort of set things sets things in motion in our minds. It uh strengthens that habit. And that's what this is about. We're building a habit. That habit is showing compassion and kindness to others. And even if, you know, I've already gotten upset and I've already done something I maybe didn't want to do or whatever, I can still reflect and do these practices and still cultivate that habit so that hopefully next time I get after it earlier because I want to get after it earlier, right? If we, once we learn how to practice, the moment a disturbing thought arises, the moment a disturbing feeling arises, sorry, then we are way more likely to succeed at transforming our minds. So that's what we're trying to build to. We're trying to build to when we start to have a disturbing feeling, we have a gap in our mind where we think, oh, how should I react to this? How should I react to this? Because that's what happens is our disturbing emotions will put us on autopilot and then we're not making decisions anymore. We're just doing things. We're just doing things. And that that can lead us down some dark paths, of course, just doing things and not really thinking about it. Well, yeah, of course that leads to you to making questionable questionable decisions. And 
Uh, we're going to dip our toes in some heavier material for just a second. I want to read to you uh, another passage from The Power of Mind, and I quote, We can also remedy disturbing emotions with the view of ultimate bodhicitta. First, identify the disturbing emotion, then recognize its empty nature and simply allow the mind to settle into that recognition. The essence of the emotion, whether it's attachment, aversion, or ignorance, is empty. And by recognizing this, the emotion resolves of its own accord. Of course, this practice will only work if the practitioner has a good understanding of ultimate bodhicitta. That's a... So that's pretty heavy, but... What we're talking about, um, another way to think about that is, you know, when something happens that leads you to a disturbing feeling, you can take a second and just ask yourself, does this matter? Is this important? Or even like, is this going to matter in 100 years? Is this going to matter in 100 years? Because a lot of the time what we're doing is we are getting torn up by things that are not important, by things that are not important. At least that's, that's been my experience. And I, um, I don't want to talk about my children a lot. My kids will get in arguments and they get in meaningless arguments about things that don't matter. And so they're just getting mad at each other and it doesn't even it doesn't even matter and we all it's not just kids that do that we all do that we all do that so what i say to my kids when they're having that kind of argument i say something can be true and not important something can be true and not important and i really like that saying because we get we got caught up in and things that aren't important and we can get obsessed with people being, you know, people being wrong on the internet. That's a thing a lot of adults get caught up in. I guess kids probably do too now that they're all online. But that's something, you know, somebody's wrong on the internet. I have to do something. Well, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Um, or most of the time it doesn't help. And that's a thing we do. That's the thing we do. So I want to advocate uh, something can be wrong and not important. And the plan is that we're cultivating this habit for compassion, wisdom, kindness. And the hope is that as we're cultivating this, it is going to become our natural response. And our actions and reactions are going to be formed by these positive habits so that at some point, we're going to realize, oh, I'm, I'm almost always dealing with my disturbing emotions and moving on, and I'm not even trying because it's a habit, okay? But that said, though, it takes a long time to build a habit, and some of us are going to have an easier time than others because some of us are more predisposed towards um, dealing with disturbing emotions. But everyone can do this. Everyone can do this. There's an old saying, um, and I really like it, but I don't know where it comes from. But the old saying is, at first, the practitioner holds the meditation. Later, the meditation holds the practitioner. That, 
that just sounds true, right? But that's what we're talking about. At first, you're trying to build the habit, and that's you holding the meditation. You're trying to build the habit, and we're coming back to it again and again. But later, maybe that habit's just going to be there. And the habit, is the habit going to build you? Yeah, the habit is going to lead you to other good habits. So that's where we're trying to get. And uh, so that was three objects, three poisons, and three roots of virtue. But I'm going to go through another Lojong slogan. These are called slogans, by the way. And this one is, train using sayings during all activities. Train using sayings during all activities. And we want to, of course, take these with us, right? As I said earlier. So... He's saying, like, we can, we can bring this to mind anytime. We can bring this to mind anytime. So he's, he describes it as, and I quote, another way to train is to, is to use the words and statements of Tonglen throughout the day. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free. It's a powerful thought. But to say it at any given moment is transformative. To say it at any given moment is transformative. So if we take a moment to do this, it interrupts our self-clinging. It interrupts our self-clinging. And I, in my mind, these aren't, these are meta, I'm getting in the weeds now, maybe I don't need to, but these are meta statements and not Tonglen statements to me. But um, Tonglen and meta are styles of meditation that are similar, similar, um, I actually think that when Tonglen meditation was first formed, uh, maybe the people that, that thought of it were, were reflecting on metta meditation, but that, that, um, that, that, uh, is an aside that doesn't really matter. But the point is that, you know, when I start to feel really selfish or when I start to get upset or annoyed, I can just recite this to myself. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free. Mentally, like a mantra. It, it, I mean, it is a mantra. And I can keep that in mind. And also, I can also do that if I'm bored. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free. I can do that when I'm walking from my car to my desk at work, which is quite a long walk, actually. I can just be reflecting on that over and over on my way. Especially if I'm struggling, may all beings be happy, may all beings be free, may all beings be happy, may all beings be free. And that might sound kind of silly, but that, that is how we're building, we're building those habits, we're building those neural pathways in our brains by just, just uh, awakening this intention over and over. Awakening this. Um, Lojong, or mind training, is all about positive reinforcement and building confidence and our disturbing emotions through these practices, our disturbing emotions can be replaced by love, compassion, wisdom, and other positive mental states. And this inspires us to go further in the mind training. You know, obviously it does, you know, it's in the same way working out at the gym. If you start building muscle, it inspires you to keep at it, right? And if you feel like it's going nowhere, then it maybe doesn't inspire you as much, right? Okay. So we're going to do one more. And this one is, again, this is another Lojong 
statement, Lo Zhang slogan, mind training statement. Start by accepting your own suffering. So Lo Zhang is about, um, not Lo Zhang, Tonglen is about imagining we're taking on the suffering of others, striving to take on the suffering of others. And we first have to accept our own suffering. Have to accept our own suffering. And um, gosh, when I think of this, I sometimes think of uh, like confessing your faults. And by that, I don't mean confessing to another person, but just confessing to ourselves because we're not very honest with ourselves about our faults a lot of the time, right? And so I think of just confessing that to ourselves. But here is, I'm going to read to you um, a passage about what Kentrell Lodrote has to say about accepting our own suffering. I think this is a really good passage from the book. And again, this book is The Power of Mind. He says, and I quote, Bring to mind all of the negative thoughts and actions that you have ever engaged in. Not just in this life, but in past lives as well. All of these have caused suffering or will cause suffering in the future. Some of that suffering created by past negative actions will ripen through rebirth into less fortunate realms. Think, may that suffering ripen on me right now in this life. Through this power, may it not become future suffering. Then, consider the suffering created by past negative actions that will ripen in this life. Think, may it ripen on me this year. Next, consider the suffering that will ripen this year and think, may it ripen on me this month. And then, Whatever suffering will ripen this month, may it ripen on me today. And finally, whatever suffering is going to ripen into experience today, may it ripen on me this very second. And he goes on to say, Since we have already accumulated the causes and conditions of suffering, we might as well accept it. It is inevitable that suffering will come sooner or later. This also gives us courage and helps us release fear and aversion, hence reducing how much we suffer over it. So he's saying, if we accept the consequences of our actions, maybe the consequences of our actions don't tear us up so much. Maybe they don't. And again, if we give in to disturbing emotions, if we harm other people, if we practice disvirtue and disharmony, we're going to see consequences for that. We're going to see consequences for that. And we are going to think we can avoid those consequences forever. Or we maybe never even think about the consequences, but you can't get away from what you've done. So we may as well wish, accept our suffering, accept the suffering that's going to come our way and wish to get it over with. This is sort of an intention setting thing. So here are some reflections on applying the trainings, applying the trainings, some reflections on applying the trainings. And this is a passage from the book, The Power of Mind, that I'm going to read to you. This is like some guidance, okay? 
Throughout the day, and I quote, Throughout the day, remember to do informal Tonglen whenever you can by practicing the three objects, three poisons, and three roots of virtue. Use sayings during activities and occasionally start by accepting your own suffering. You can do Tonglen in any moment in relation to your situation or someone else's. If you see a person or animal with an injury, such as a broken foot, you can think, May the suffering of having a broken limb and likewise the pain of all beings with broken bones be gathered into me. Through this power, may they and all beings be free from such pain. Or you could use a simpler version. May they and all beings be free from such pain. For another example, if you stub your toe, think, may I take on the suffering of all stubbed toes so that no being ever need experience this. Be creative in your phrasing by making it personal and even funny if you like. Do Tonglen for positive experiences as well. For instance, if you have a delicious meal, think, may all beings have such an abundance of good food. If you have a nice home, think, may everyone have a beautiful and safe place to live. There are limitless situations and ways to practice this. Any time you are aware of a disturbing emotion arising, use this opportunity to practice with the three objects to transform the three poisons into the three roots of virtue. <laughs> Randomly throughout the day, say to yourself, may all beings be happy, may all beings be free, or I give all profit and gain to others and I take all loss and blame upon myself. And occasionally, when you feel resistance to something challenging, start by accepting your own suffering. Following any of these kindness and compassion practices, you can also bring to mind the wisdom aspect, remembering everything is like a dream or an illusion. Then, allow your mind to rest for a moment within this recollection. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me today, and have a good day. Thank you for listening and have a good day.